Well, good morning again. If you have your Bibles, Genesis chapter 4. I want to share just a word this morning to encourage us. And uh, if you've ever had this thought, I want to get on the other side of this. How many have ever said that? I want to get on the other side of this. I don't know what your this is, but this morning I believe God is bringing freedom and healing as we allow God to work inside of us and bring us to the place that He wants to take us. Day 22 of our 50-day faith journey, we want to go to new places in our faith. How many believe summer is a great time to go to new places and God wants to take us to new places in our faith, in our faith journey with God? This is the process. How do we go to new places in our faith? The process is by growing in our knowledge of Jesus Christ. We often think we need to grow our faith. Your faith does not need to grow. According to 2 Peter, God has already given us all that we need for life and for godliness. You don't need your faith to grow. You need your knowledge of Jesus Christ to grow. And when your knowledge of Jesus Christ grows, you will activate your faith. You don't need more faith. You need to use the faith you've got. You don't need more faith. You've got to use the faith that you've got. You've got to activate it. What would you say to me if I told you I'd love to take a trip to Texas, but my vehicle only holds 16 gallons worth of gas? If I said to you I'd love to go to Texas, but my vehicle will only hold 16 gallons, you would say to me with all kindness, maybe a face saying, you're not that smart. You might not say it to me, but you might say to me, that's not a problem. Once you travel, you'll find a place to get what you need along the way. How many know that in the natural we recognize that, yet sometimes we stay idle and we stay in the place we've always been because in our mind we don't have the faith like so-and-so. We don't have what it takes. And we convince and tell ourselves that we don't have what it takes. I want you to know today, God has already given you what you need. You just need to activate what He's already already given you so that you can go into the process that He has for you that you know God like you've never known him before and how many know that when you know God like you've never known him before you can't help but step even closer and step in faith to walk even more in what he has for you when you acknowledge when you come to know God in a greater way this is the process of going to new places in our faith the process is by growing in our knowledge of Jesus well how do we do that we've identified three things and these over these 50 50 days that we're journeying together we're looking at these three things that we want to apply in our lives and those three things are this Number one, we need to hide God's word in our heart. That if we're going to walk, we need to hide God's word. It's a lamp to our feet. But how many know that if that lamp's going to do any good, you've got to put it in place and activate it and use it? You might have a lamp, but if it's sitting in your shed, how many know it's not going to produce and do much good? You've got to activate it, pull it out, let the lamp be a light to your feet. We need to hide God's word in our heart. Last week we had a a mile marker verse, and we've been calling them each week a mile marker verse, just as a, a, a verse for us to hide in our heart, to memorize it. You know how to memorize songs. Some of you know how to memorize movie lines. You know how to remember, memorize stats for the baseball teams and the sports. You know how to memorize things. How many know it's worth memorizing and hiding the word of God in our heart? And the Bible says in Romans, this was our, our, our mile marker verse to, to mark in our journey, progress in our journey, that in Romans 10, 17, and, and how many know in Romans 10, 17, the Bible says this, and this is what we, we encourage us to hide in our heart, that it says this, That so faith comes by hearing, and about this, it's hearing the good news about Jesus Christ. And this is hearing the good news about Jesus Christ. You may have heard it this way. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. However you've memorized it, it is in Romans 10, 17, that we hide God's word in our heart. That is key, because if we're going to grow in our faith, it recognizes, it tells us, hey, I've got to get God's word. It's got to be in me. We also challenge us, if we're going to grow in our knowledge of God, we need to hide his word. Number two, we need to pray to God. We need to talk with God, communicate with God. You get to know each other or other people by communicating with that person. You may know about that person, but when you begin to communicate and talk with them, how many know you know even more about them? It's a process of growing in knowledge. And so we need to spend time talking to God. That's why we have a 50-day Bible reading and prayer journal that you can find on the YouVersion app. You can uh, look on uh, YouVersion Live event now or even find it on our Facebook page that there's a place that will take you to a 50-day journey uh, of, of praying and reading God's Word, hiding God's Word in your heart. Because when you pray, when you communicate with God, you get to know Him. You're building a relationship with Him. And in fact, I would just ask you right now, why don't you just take a moment, would you just bow your head right now and talk to God? You say, don't you have to lead me? I've never prayed before. No, all you got to do is, and why don't you just ask God right now, say, God, would you help me to get what I need to get from your word this morning? Why don't you just do that right now? Just bow your head right where you are and ask God to do that. Ask Him to speak to your heart right now.
God, we pray that you would help us to hear your voice and respond to you. Lord, even now, some of us in the stillness need to allow ourselves to hear what you would want to speak to us. God, even now, you're dropping an impression. You're you're putting something in our heart, a a place of, of acknowledging, saying this is an area you want to work, and you're making us ready. So, God, do that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So be it. So be it, according to God's word. Let it be according to God's promise. We don't say so be it according to my strength, not according to my finances, not according to my abilities, but according to the word of God. Because if it's according to anything else, how many know it's limited? If I'm operating according to my abilities, according to my finances, according to my resources, I'm limited. But it is so be it according to God's word, according to his promise. And so if we're going to grow in our knowledge of God, we need to, we need to spend time hiding God's word in our heart. We need to uh, spend time praying. And lastly, uh, we challenge us in this, you need to travel with people who are in heaven in the right direction. You got to travel with people who are going in the right direction. You got to spend time. You're here today. Just look at your neighbor. Tell them, good job. You made it to church this morning. Just tell them this morning, you're glad to see them. They made it to church this morning. Actually, how about this? Look that neighbor and tell them today, I'd be lost without you. Just tell them that. I'd be lost without you. If you're sitting next to your spouse, that's your moment. That's your moment. Take it up. It's yours. We just threw it out there for you. Genesis chapter 4. This is the process we want to grow in to know Jesus more than we've known him before. This is our hope. When we know Jesus, it causes us to have productive faith. We want to have producing faith, not, not growing faith. Your faith does not need to grow. Your knowledge of God needs to grow. God does not want you to have growing faith. He wants you to have producing faith. Your faith doesn't need to get bigger. Your faith needs to produce bigger things. Uh, someone needs to catch that this morning. Because we too often say, I need more faith. No, you don't. You, and when you say that, you're taking the effort off of you and putting it all on God, which you might say, well, that sounds so spiritual. Except the Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 5, he says, in view of all this, make every effort to add or make every effort to respond to the promise of God. Make every effort. I don't know about you, but effort doesn't mean just sit there and let God do it. Effort means I've got to involve myself. There's a process. There's something I need to engage in. I need to step in this part, and I need to work in in conjunction, allow God to to work this in me. And and so this is our desire that we would not just have, not, not to have growing faith, we need to have producing faith. And when I make every effort, great things come out of the faith that God has already given me. He's given me faith that I can speak to mountains, be moved, and they'll be cast into the sea. That's what the Bible says. It doesn't say I need greater faith. He says faith the size of a mustard seed. So we're not here today to see our faith grow. We're here today to activate in our faith so that we might see God do greater things through our faith. This has been our desire. In 2 in Peter, uh, he tells us to make every effort to respond to the promises of God. And he lists seven things that we're to put into practice. And if you've been with us for the last couple of weeks, this has been our roadmap. And he's given us things that we need to put into practice. Add to your faith moral excellence. How many know if we're going to know God more, we need to practice moral excellence? He says as well, add to your moral excellence knowledge. We've got to grow in knowledge of God's word. And uh, you can go back and, and listen to those if, if you, you weren't able to be here. But this morning, we're going to talk about our favorite one that we need to put into practice. And that is self-control. If you love practicing self-control, why don't you just jump up your feet right now with your Bible and let's get ready to read. Yeah, that's what I thought. Nobody's moving. Come on, if, if you this morning, grab your word today in, in Genesis chapter 4. How many would be honest? I, we can be honest today. How many know self-control is not our favorite? Let's, let's stand to our feet and get ready for the word of God this morning. Self-control is not our favorite, but I want you to hear this today. If you're going to grow in your knowledge of Jesus, then practicing self-control is crucial for you to have a greater knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. Your ability to go new places in God will depend on your ability to practice self-control. I'm telling you today, self-control is not my favorite word in the Bible. But I sure love the effects of it. I don't love self-control, but I love the effects of self-control. How many know what I'm talking about? You know what it produces, and because you recognize what it produces, you, get, you have value. You don't love the discipline of self-control. Be real now. Who loves discipline? Whoever says, man, I love this. You know, my favorite part of growing up was when my mama whooped me. That was my favorite part, you know. No, some of us might say, you know what? My mom 
took care of me, and I'm so thankful she did because it had an effect. You love the effect of it. You don't love the process. But how many know you can't have the effects if you try and ignore or go around the process? You got to go through here to get there. You got to go through this to get to that. If you want to grow and go to new places in your faith, we're going to have to go through self-control. And sometimes there's a toll road in the process, in the journey. Here's what it says. I want to read in, in Genesis chapter 4, looking, going back uh, to uh, early part, Cain and Abel, first uh, uh, children born to Adam and Eve when God created the earth and all the events had happened. But here it is, chapter 4 is where we're going to look. It says, now Adam had sexual relations with his wife Eve. Let me tell you, if it's your wife, then God bless you. If it's not your wife, run away. Thank you. If she is not your wife, well, she's going to be. She is not yet. If she is your wife, then bless the Lord. If she's not your wife, then honor God. Honor your body. Honor one another. The Bible says now Adam and Eve had sexual relations with his wife, or Adam had sexual relations with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant. When she gave birth to Cain, she said, with the Lord's help, I have produced a man. And you thought you did something in your day's work. My goodness. Later she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry, the Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Everybody say, watch out. Then watch out. The Bible says this, sin is crouching at the door. It is eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. Watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. Father, I pray today you would, you would help us to grow in this knowledge and in this, this faith, uh, Lord, uh, of practicing self-control, that we might experience the greater things that you have for us in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. I love when you talk to one another, so don't sit down yet. I want you to look at your neighbor. Look at your favorite neighbor. And I want you to tell your neighbor, say I'm going for my master's degree. I'm going for my master's. Tell them I'm going for my master's. Look at your other favorite neighbor and tell them you need your master's. You got to get your master's. You may be seated this morning. Going for our master's. Going for our master's. Some of you are here today and you have your master's degree. And before you can raise your hand and acknowledge how much smarter you are than the rest of us, keep your hand down. We're really happy for you. Really, we are. I've not received my master's degree. I got my, my diploma. I was happy to graduate from high school. I graduated in the top 100 of my 128 class. I graduated from high school happy to make it. I got through it. I made it through high school. I then went to North Central University in Minneapolis, Minnesota, where I studied to be in ministry. And I went to Minneapolis because I knew God had called me to be a preacher. And I recognized it's more likely for someone to hire you to come on staff to a church if you have a degree. And so I went to North Central University. I did well in my studies. I enjoyed the studies. But when I graduated, I was happy. I became eligible. And then a church in Uniontown, Pennsylvania in 1999 said, hey, why why don't you come and be our youth pastor? And it worked. I got to get out of college and come and be a youth pastor. It was cool. As soon as I graduated, I did what I had to do because I knew where I wanted to be. Now, I didn't know I wanted to be in Uniontown until God brought me to Uniontown. Then I realized, Lord, I don't ever want to use, leave Uniontown most days. Come on, like you've ever had every day where it's paradise. You know, you just, you, you just it's always been that way. Yeah. It, I, I, was, I was blessed, and, and as, as I graduated, I had the question, and it still comes to me. 
I still get this question. It's been a while, but some people ask me, so are you going for your master's? I guess after a certain point, they're like, you've never gone yet. You're not going for your master's. But when I graduated, people would ask me, are you going for your master's? And this was my answer to them. My answer was no, and I pray God doesn't tell me I have to. Now, some of you be like, oh, hide the children's ears. We know we don't want to talk bad about studies. I'm not saying anything's wrong with studies. Here's what I'm telling you. I'm not a fan of classwork. I don't like the classroom. There's nothing wrong with it, but I came to a recognition that where God was calling me to go, that's all I needed to go. I don't want that work. Here's the reality of why I've not gone for my master's is because I don't want the work. And many of us aren't growing in self-control because we don't want the work. We don't want the work. This is enough. I got enough to get by. It operates and works fine in, my, in, 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 in doing what God has called me to do. I mean that honestly. If God wants me to have my master's, then great. If you have your master's, that's wonderful. There's nothing wrong with having master's, but I'll tell you the truth. The reality and the benefit of who you are is not defined by the paper you have on your wall. It doesn't matter who has approved you and what credentials you've gotten, where you've gone. It just matters this, that you honor God in the steps that he's called you to. If it's with a GED, then you honor God with the best you've got. And if God calls you to go get a doctorate and PhD, something else behind it, then you honor God with what you've got. But it doesn't matter what process you've gone through to get man's approval. It's just making sure you walk to know today you're approving the heart of God and that you've got God's approval and you're doing today what God has called you to do. That's the important thing. But I know my reality. I'm telling you the truth. Some of you are like, my goodness, he's just lazy. I'm not afraid of work. I just don't like classwork. I love learning. There's nothing wrong with learning for me. I love to learn. I love to hear. I love to grow. But I'm not a fan of classwork. And we have to recognize that in our lives, we want to grow. We want to see God do greater things. We want to know God like we've never known God before. But I don't like that self-control work. I don't like getting into that master program of having to master sin and be a master of those things that are around and to grow and develop in self-control. I don't like that work. Here it is, God gives Cain a warning and he says to Cain, he says, watch out, sin is crouching at your door and it wants to control you, but you must master it. You've got to master that sin. You've got to reach a master's level in that sin. You've got to master it, get it under control. Whatever it is that's surrounding you, self-control means this, to master one's desires and passions. To master one's desires and passions. Raise your hand if you have desires and passions. The rest of you that are not raising your hand, you've got one boring life. God help you. (laughs) God created you with desire and passion. How many of you say today you need self-control? I'm not putting anybody on the spot. I'm telling us the truth. We do have desire and passion. Your desire and passion isn't wrong. God created you with desire and passion. Your desire and passion is not wrong. It's of God as long as you honor God with the desire and passion that he's put inside of you. It's not wrong. And so we need self-control because God created us in this world to live in this world, but that the world should not live inside of us. That we do have passion, but we should have have desire and passion, but that it needs to come and line up with the heart of God that we need to practice self-control. We live in a fallen world, and because we live in a fallen world, we have a sin nature that's inside of us. We are prone to go our own way and do our own thing. How many have ever found that out about yourself? I didn't ask if you found that out about your, your spouse or someone around you. Did you find that out about you? You're prone to do what you want. You're prone to do what you think is right. You're prone to stay in your own ideas, your ways. You're prone to just live the way you see it. All we like sheep have gone astray. We all are affected by the sensual desire. And sometimes our desire is is right. We want healing. We want wholeness. But sometimes we reject God's way to try and find our own way of wholeness. We want to be whole, but we don't want to go through that. We want to be happy, but we don't want to go through that. We want to be satisfied, but we don't want to give that up or lose that. We want to be, the desire's right, the process is wrong. The desire's okay, you're just not willing to do the classwork to get your master's degree, to grow in an area and to develop in this area. How many need self-control? I'm going to ask this all sermon until everybody raises their hand, so y'all just get ready for it. Listen to this this morning. There are attitudes, 
actions, and abilities that need to be in check. There are attitudes, actions, and abilities that need to be be in check. Just because I can doesn't mean I should. And just because I want to doesn't mean I have to. You know that. Just because I can doesn't mean I should. And just because I want to doesn't mean I have to. And when we are able to put into control those things that we desire, we are traveling on roads that have exit signs for temptation, warning signs for dangerous passages, and guardrails for where the threat is high. Reaching new places requires that we stay between the lines, that we keep alert to what's around us, and that we honor the warning signs that are meant to guide us. You're not going to get to the place God wants for you unless you're willing to stay between the lines. You go on a road trip and you get too far. You move to one side. There's a reason why the guardrails are put at places where it's, where it's treacherous terrain and where the, the, the cliffs are higher, where there's a falling off, the threats are high. Why? Because there's things men in place to be a warning. I love what Andy Stanley says. He says the guardrails are not put at the point of danger. They're even put closer to you so that there's still buffer, there's room because too many times we live on the edge. We live on the edge and we, we put ourselves in places that we should not be and allowing things to go in directions where it should not take us. And we're looking for satisfaction. That's not your problem. It's where you're looking for it from. It's what you're trying to find and, and the fulfillment of, of, of what we might be trying to accomplish. But we need to keep between the lines. Notice the Bible says that wide is the gate that leads to destruction. But narrow is the gate that leads to life. The gate that leads to life is narrow. And you might think, oh, it's so narrow, there's no freedom there. No, it's narrow that there's so much freedom that I don't have to worry about the consequences of what will affect me because I'm in the freedom of knowing that I have the the promise and the hope of God. How many know it's more joy to not live with the consequences and the worry and the guilt and the regret? It's greater joy when we honor when we obey, when we trust, how many need self-control? There's two brothers that we read about in, in Genesis chapter 4, Cain and Abel. You may have heard of these, the firstborn to Adam and Eve. And I, I want to look at, at their lives in this picture that we get. We don't get a big picture. We just get a couple verses that tell us about Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel, it's interesting. When you look at their names, Cain means produce, to come forth, uh, possession, uh, and and in essence, uh, producing from the ground. And Abel means breath. It's interesting to me that Adam was created by God in both. He was produced from the ground, and God breathed his life into him. And so these two boys become a picture of God's creation from the very beginning, that God created from the dirt, but he breathed his life into them. And, And here are these two boys, and they're distinct in, their, in their, their, their choices, and they're from the same family, but total different outcome. They're from the same uh, experience, upbringing, but different outcome. We've got Cain, who becomes a planter of, of, the, of crops, and, and uh, uh, Abel, who is a shepherd. But imagine Cain is the oldest, and now here's Eve, and Eve is giving birth to Cain. Some of you women know what it's like to give birth for the first time. Imagine being Eve, who was the first one ever giving birth for the first time. Something is on the inside of me, and God would have made it known, hey, you're going to have a child. There's a child coming up. You know, I, I just, I like to imagine, do you wonder if, if, if Adam and Eve were like, I wonder if this thing's going to come out full grown like us. You know, think about it. I mean, how do you, it's like, what's this going to look like? What's this going to be? We've never done this before. This has never happened before. But one thing I could see is that Eve, when she heard these words, if you remember, Eve, of course, they had to leave the garden, not because God was so angry at them, but because God wanted to protect them. He didn't want them to live forever in a fallen state from God. He wanted them to be at a place where, yes, they would face death. Yes, it would be hard. 
but that God would be with them and bring hope about. I'm so thankful for the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Sin came and separated me from God, but God in his mercy allowed me to go through death, but not to be the first one, the first one who went through death, or the first one not only to go through death, but the first one to live again is Jesus Christ. And because he died, I die in him, and I live with him because he lives forever. Aren't you thankful that you belong to Jesus Christ? So here's Adam and Eve. They're living on the outside of the garden, and Eve is giving birth to her first child. Here's what every mother is excited. This is your first child. You know every mother is about ready to give birth to the, to, to, to the next Einstein. Every mother is about ready to give birth to the next great thing to ever walk this earth. Uniontown will never be the same the moment your child or your grandchild is born. The whole world. You know what it's like to to have the aspiration and desire. Can you imagine? Here's Eve. Eve would have heard words from God. She heard God say to Eve, Eve, because of your sin, because of what happened, you're going to have to go through childbirth. She heard him say to Adam, Adam, because of your sin, you're going to have to work the fields. But she also would have heard the words that were spoken to the serpent. And here's what it says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. The Bible says this, and I, God speaking to the serpent, he says, I will cause hostility between you and the woman. How many know Eve is like, that's me? That's me. And between your offspring and her offspring, he, the offspring of the woman, will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Eve would have heard these words. I would imagine, and it would be safe for us to think, Eve thought she might be giving birth to the Messiah. This offspring is going to come forth, and I'm going to give birth to the Messiah. He's going to strike the enemy's heel. We're going to get the head. We're going to get back. And how many know she thought she was giving birth to the Messiah and ended up being the first murderer? Notice, listen, Eve gave birth not to the promise of hope, but to the reality that we live in sin. Here's why. Because Eve was all about giving birth through human effort. It was her and Adam together that produced Cain. And anytime you try to do what you do with human effort, you'll always fall short. Every time it's left to human effort, you can dream and believe and hope and desire. You know what it's like when you, when you were affected by that sin, that, that self-control or lack of self-control and temptation that brought you to a place you didn't want to be. When you get to a place you never wanted to be in, you never thought, oh, I can't wait to get there. You always thought that'll never happen to me. You walked the aisle and you got married and you said, we'll never have a marriage like that. You went to a place and you've done what you've done and you did things you've done and you said that'll never get to me that'll never happen in my house that'll never be around me you thought it might never happen to you but how many have experienced life to know no matter how much you didn't want it to happen sometimes things take place and we live in a fallen world and sometimes it happens does anybody know what I'm talking about I don't want this to happen I didn't plan for this why and here's the reality Cain was not the Messiah because he was the product of human effort. But there was one who came, and he was not the product of human effort alone. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit that Mary gave birth, and now the first and only came forth, and he was the promise. You see, you and I read this from past tense, don't we? You and I look at the story of Adam and Eve, and we read the scripture, and we're like, yep, that speaks of Jesus. But you know, Eve, when she heard those words, Eve's words were, I hope it happens soon. I hope he strikes the head of the serpent soon. And Eve had this hope that maybe my son is going to bring this hope. But it didn't. Why? Because human effort always fails. How many have found that out? Your effort isn't enough. But your effort with God's provision. How many know Mary brought forth the one who did strike the head of the serpent. And yes, the serpent did strike his heel, but how many know he rose again? He brought victory that Jesus Christ, the promised one who came. You and I read it and we know it was Jesus because we're looking back on it. But Eve is going through it for the first time. Here's what I want to say to you today. Your self-control is affected by this. Write this down. Self-control is God's power plus your permission. 
God's power, with your permission, produces self-control. You cannot do it on your own. You don't have enough willpower to get out of self-control. You don't have enough willpower to stop drinking that bottle. You don't have enough willpower to get out of that person's bed. You don't have enough willpower to quit saying the things you've been saying, getting tripped. You don't have enough willpower to do what you need to do. But if you receive the power that comes from God, how many know you get the power that comes from God and you have to add your effort to it? It's not all God and none of me. It's God with my permission. It's the power of God and my permission. The only way God can work in your life is when you allow him. God will always work around you and above you, but the only way he can work in you is if you let him. That's the hard work. How many would be real right now and we say, that's the hard part. I want God to just work around me and I want God to work this all out. I don't want it to be hard. I don't want it to take work. I don't want it to be effort. I don't want to go for my master's degree. I just want to get by easy. How many have found out that whatever comes easy produces little and doesn't last long? Whatever comes hard carries value. And lasts a lot longer. That whatever is produced. And, and here this, this desire that we want to see God develop those things in our life. I want to give you a couple things this morning. Before we, we close. That we need to practice self-control. How many need self-control? We got a lot of perfect people in the house. I know. You don't want to raise your hand and be like, I need self-control. Because somebody might think something. Somebody might perceive something. Let me just say, if you're living your life trying to match up to someone's perception, you might not be able to deal with the reality of what God wants to accomplish in your life because you're too worried about someone's perception of what might be instead of allowing God to deal with the reality of what is going to be in our lives. Man, I felt like I got a little deep right there. I'm going <clears> to <throat> take another drink of water. If we're going to practice self-control, If we're going to go for our masters, let me give you a couple things this morning. Here's number one. Some things you need to to recognize. Here's some lessons that we need to hold on to. Growth happens naturally. Health happens intentionally. Growth is natural. Health is intentional. If you just leave things to natural, just let it naturally happen. That is called growth. All things will naturally grow. How many know weeds naturally grow? Things naturally grow. Growth isn't your issue. Health is your issue. I didn't ask you, are you growing? I'm asking you, are you healthy? Because I don't know if you found out like me, I don't have a problem growing. My problem is being healthy. Growing is easy. I can tell you, growing, I got that down. It's the health that's a lot harder. Here's Adam, or here's Cain and Abel, and I want to look at their, their offerings, what they brought before God. Cain brought fruit from the ground. And notice what the Bible says. You can go back and read it. The Bible says Cain brought some fruit. Abel also brought an offering. And the Bible says he brought the best portion that he had. How many caught that? Cain brought something. Hey, I naturally grew this in my garden. Here it is. I'm naturally giving it. Here you go. You got something. But recognize Cain just did something. But Abel went through, and what did Abel, the brother Abel, the younger brother, the Bible says he brought the best or the choice portions. How many know if you're bringing the best, you're not just bringing what's in your backyard. You're, you're looking and you're inspecting. You're looking to see what's the best. You're identifying. You're going through a process of intentionally looking for the best to give God. How many know that health is not, it's not something that just happens naturally? If it's going to be healthy, you're going to have to be intentional. But you know what we like to do? We would rather just say, let it naturally happen. Whoever told you that good things naturally happen lied to you. Someone fooled you along the way and said it should never take work. And you might be of a nature where you say, well, nothing else ever took work in my life. I grew up playing baseball, and I won't even pretend to be an athlete because that's really my wife. I'm I'm over it. She's the athlete in the family. No big deal. When I was a youth pastor, it was an issue. It was a complex. I'm better now. I'm seeing a therapist. It's all good. Everything's going to be fine. But when I played baseball, I loved baseball so much that practice was even fun. 
I didn't mind practice. Now, the game was my favorite, but practice was fun. Why? Not because practice was what it was all about, but there was a desire of what it would produce, and I was willing to go through the practice. Here's the problem. Some of us don't want to go through practice because we've seen the practice as work, and we forgot to see the revelation of what it's going to produce. Some of you know how to practice hard at the stuff you like. Some of you, you've got it down how to put your energy and effort in other things. You put your energy, your effort in other stuff, and you don't mind it. You workaholic to put all kinds of hours in. You enjoy it. Why do you enjoy it? Because you see a fruit of what it produces. It's something that produces in your life. But whenever something comes along and it doesn't feel so natural and so easy, uh, how many know what I'm talking about? Does that make sense to anybody? That we can reject that stuff because it doesn't feel so easy. You can either give God something or you can give him intentionally what you've got. That you can just let it happen natural. Or you can say to God, God, I want to be intentional. I want to, I want to be intentional. What's going to keep you from going to the place you shouldn't go is not when you just naturally go along, but when you're intentionally making choices. Some of you already know the conversation that strikes your anger. Some of you already know the situation that causes you to drink what you shouldn't drink or do what you shouldn't do. You already know the circumstance. You can almost say the time of day and the situation that makes you go to that website you shouldn't go to. You already know what it is when you go and you hide and you predict. You've got it so well down that you predictably know the places that you're doing, the things that you're doing. You've got it down. We get so good at it. And if we know God would say to us, hey, warning, it's crouching at your door and it wants to get inside of you. This sin is crouching at your door and you better master it. You better recognize it because if you just naturally go along, and this is our world, just do what feels good. How many know what feels good can really take you to a dangerous place? What you do, what you think is right, really have some consequences. But when you intentionally, health, listen, I had to make an intentional decision that I was going to save myself till marriage. I'm telling you, that was an intentional decision to keep myself pure before God and before my wife. Now, before you think, oh, you're just gloating and you think you're perfect, you think you're all that. No, because you don't know the other issues in the areas that might be difficult for me in what is. I've got sometimes a hard time not saying what I think all the time. Anybody else? You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to admit it. <laughs> I, you don't have to wonder what I'm thinking. I'm going to tell you sometimes what I'm thinking. I, I'm, I might say it as nicely as I can, but I just, I can't hide things too. I'm not good at that. But there's some, here, here's my point. You've got to be intentional. If you're going to practice self-control and get to a place that God wants to take you, you've got to be intentional. Don't position yourself in places. Man, young man, married man, if you have a problem with pornography, don't put your cell phone close to the bed and sleep on it. And just in the moments think, ah, just a peek. Put your cell phone on the other side of the room, but it's my alarm. Get an old-fashioned alarm. I'd rather you have a dinger bell than have to worry about dealing with the things that will get into your life. Quit making excuses to sleep with your sin. Quit making justification to hang out in a place of settlement. Quit holding on to the things that are holding you captive and keeping you. Did I just get a little, I'm sorry, I got a little too real. Let's go back to the pretend stuff. Okay, let's talk about the... That's right, we just want to do the surface stuff that doesn't take work and feel good. Let's just make this like everything's being facetious. Being facetious. But how many know if we're going to have progress, it takes work? Look at your neighbor, tell him it takes work. Can I tell you? The more I work to become more like Jesus, the more I realize 
there's junk inside of me. This almost 39-year-old son of a preacher, saved since the age of seven, did everything he can to honor God, serve God. I've, I've, listen, don't let all think I've not fallen along the way, but I've, I've pursued Jesus from the time I've seven. I've never even tasted alcohol. I mean, the only thing I've snorted was Kool-Aid and it hurt. I don't know this. I'm not saying that. That ooh, uh, I'm telling you, I grew up in a Christian home and I've got issues. So before you think that there's anybody out there that in the perfect environment, the perfect situation that creates all the perfect things, no, that's a made up world. And if we think we have something perfect, we're either pretending to keep it from people seeing the real thing or we're not willing to face the truth of what we're dealing with. I want us to know, church, if we're going to know Jesus, then we're going to have to face the stuff that's inside of us, and we're going to have to practice self-control. The stuff that's out of control needs to get under control. Amen? I'm going to ask the worship team to come. and Practice. I'm going to give you these, these last... Remember, it's it's... Growth happens natural, but health happens intentional, intentionally. Um, practice is what we need to do. You not, might not like the practice. I love what Tom Landry, uh, Tom Landry was a uh, um, Dallas Cowboys coach, and I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, and so I can't be a Cowboys fan because you can't love God and mammon. You must choose one and hate the other. But, <laughs> but Tom Landry was a great coach, and here's what Tom Landry said. He said, my job is to make grown men do what they don't like doing so that they can achieve the dreams they've always dreamed of doing. My job is to make grown men do what they don't like doing. What's up, drummer man? How you doing, buddy? All right. That's mine. That's mine. Let's be real. I don't like practicing self-control. I went to Rita's. It was Jalen's fault. Jalen and I had lunch this week, and she said, Dad, is it Rita's right over there? I said, well, yes, it is. I walked into Rita's. I ordered a large ice cream because I figured I'm not going to eat anything else the rest of the day. Uh, that was about 12 noon, so I don't know what I was thinking. But anyway, I justified it. I said, I'll take a large ice cream. She gives me a, 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 I said, a large cone, and, and she gives me a, a large bowl. And I looked at Jalen, I said, did you order that? She said, no. I said, I ordered a cone. And Jalen said, I know, I heard you. And I said to the lady, I said, I said, I actually ordered a cone. She said, oh, I'm sorry. So she went and she got me a large cone and she gave me the large cone. I paid for it. We go to walk away and she pushes the bowl to me. And in the moment, I tried everything I could to resist. I picked up the bowl and with my ice cream cone, I walked out of Rita's. I got a two-for-one deal. I'm like, this is the best day ever. You shouldn't eat that, but it's going to go to waste. She told me she was just going to throw it away. We can't have that happen. Do you know everything in me was like, don't do it, don't do it. So I only ate half of the other one. I get it. Self-control? We can laugh about it when it comes to me eating ice cream. But how about dealing with the attitude that's inside of my heart? How about the stubbornness that's inside of me? How about about the pushback when God says, I want you to deal with this inside of you? Oh, church, listen, I've got issues, but I can tell you one of my issues is not being real. In fact, some of my issues are probably being too real. I'm real transparent. I don't hide much. And so you'll never hear me say things like, I don't want to talk about it. Because I'm the kind of guy where it's like, i got to find somebody to talk to because that's me. I process that way. But there's a danger if your process is stay in my own world, keep it a secret, because whatever you keep in the secret you keep in the secret it's going to become something listen 
Because the harvest that they had, the harvest is not what you're growing, what's coming from your hands. It's what's coming from your heart. Notice they brought an offering. And I read Cain and I think, God, poor Cain. Because the Bible says God accepted Abel's but not Cain's, right? Why not Cain? But notice when God didn't accept Cain's offering, how did Cain respond? Angry. Listen, somebody's got to hear this this morning because your healing is held up by this. Notice God didn't accept Cain's offering. Why in the world would Cain not have said, God, you didn't accept my offering? I'm sad. I'm grieved. Cain could have said, Oh God, oh God, my heart. Oh God, you didn't accept my offering. But Cain didn't have a heart of sorrow or grief. The Bible says Cain immediately went to anger. How many know that anger isn't something that just happens? Anger doesn't just happen. You don't just show up angry. Anger happens because something was already growing on the inside. There was already something on the inside. And God is saying to Cain, Cain, be careful. Don't worry about your hands. There's something in your heart that's more deadly. I'm not offended that your offering wasn't good out of your hands. I'm more concerned with what's growing on the inside of your heart. You're growing some things in your heart that's causing issue and it's hurting. You're allowing some things in your heart. Bitterness. Anger. How many need self-control? I know I need to wrap up and it's not just what's growing in your hands. It's what's growing in your heart. The Bible says in Proverbs, it says guard your heart. Above all else, guard your heart. For out of it, and this is our mile marker verse for the week, for out of it sets the course of your life. It determines the course of your life. That's a big statement, isn't it? Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Your heart of unforgiveness, guard it. Your heart of of depression, guard it. Your heart of I'm staying in this, guard your heart because out of it will set the course of your life. Guard your heart. Let me give you the last one. Desire is from God, but desire is not your God. Desire is from God, but desire is not your God. Here's why this is important for mastering. Because what we tend to think is that desire is wrong. Desire is not wrong. It's what you do with desire that's wrong. You hear me? Sexual desire is from the Lord. God created that before the Lord. It is of God. But if you allow your sexual desire to be met in your own ways and not according to the honor of God, then how many know Your problem isn't your desire. Your problem is the God that you've allowed your desire to become. The Bible says that they were controlled and they did according to what felt right. That their gods became, their their, their stomach became their gods. Their appetite became their gods. You know what we do when we want satisfaction? How how many many want pleasure? See, what we do in the church is we teach each other pleasure's wrong. Because in the last day, men will be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Notice it didn't say lovers of pleasure instead of God. More than. You put pleasure above God. But when you put God in His rightful place, He'll give you pleasure. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added unto you. We are not Christians like, God doesn't want us to be happy. God doesn't want us to have joy. God doesn't want us to have pleasure. God doesn't want... No, we're Christians. We don't do that. What? We're Christians. We ought to know the joy and the freedom and the pleasure of doing that. When in the presence of God, when you say that, I'm asking you, you say what? To drink to my content? No. But there's a reason, listen, your what isn't your problem, it's the why. You're trying to get rid of drinking, but you got to deal with the why. There's something beyond the drinking. You're covering something up when you drink. 
When you go to what you go to, you're just trying to mask something for a moment. And you even know it, but you don't want to deal with it. You don't want to go. Why? Because that's hard work. That's hard work. I don't want to have to face that. I don't want to have to look that. And I realize this can open up a lot of ugly closets in our lives. And you need someone you can trust to talk to and go through it. But we've all got closets in our lives that need to be opened up and dealt with. Every single one of us. Now, once the Lord has healed us, and throw away the key to the closet because it's empty. We're made new. Don't keep living in the closet. Let him bring healing. I, I want to wrap this up. I feel like there's so much I want to say and that you get just freedom today to know that these things need to be dealt with. Here's what we do. We, we try to get our fulfillment and pleasure out of many things. We look for more. If I could have more sex, if I could have more money, if I could have more pleasure, if I could have more, we try, whatever that is for you, if I could have more, 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 and we try to find fulfillment, which is not a problem, but we try to find it with more. Your fulfillment is not found with more. In this case, less is more. We try to find fulfillment by having more things, more stuff, and we lack self-control. How many know we need to practice self-control in our finances? Because we spend money we don't have to try and find what we're looking for. More, 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 more. Less is more. Here's why. You try, and what we do in our culture, we try to get more. If I could get more accolade, if I could get more, if I could get more, then this more will produce what I'm looking for. This more will produce this one thing I'm looking for. That's what we try and do. Let me flip that around. If we focus on this one thing who is Jesus, he'll open the door for us to have the more. More isn't your problem. It's the door you're opening to get to more. That's your problem. You're opening doors that you shouldn't be opening, going places you shouldn't go, trying to find what you're looking for. Your fulfillment isn't your problem. The desire to be fulfilled isn't the problem. It's the doors that we're opening. How many have ever heard of Dr. Seuss? He wrote a story, Cat in the Hat. 250 words is all he used. He took it to his publisher, and the publisher said, that's pretty impressive. I bet you can't write one with 50 words. Dr. Seuss went in on a $35 bet, and he said, I bet you I can. Dr. Seuss went with the challenge, and after he wrote Cat in the Hat, he wrote this book that you may have read to your kids, Green Eggs and Ham. And with just 50 words, he wrote to this day the best-selling children's book, in the world. Why? Because less is more. You don't need more until you focus to the master who opens the door to more. You need Jesus. You know you're just carrying baggage. You might even be trying to hide it trying to keep it under control God says don't control your baggage control the passion that produces your baggage let me heal those things